What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here, back with another Productivity in Tech podcast. This is the only productivity show that is not going to tell you either you need to be hustling (laughs) or not hustling. This is the show that's all about you Uh, doing you and us doing us, and then telling everyone here just stories about what we did, hoping that maybe you'll learn a thing or two from it. Uh, I know that this season we weren't going to be doing guests, but... After I met this dude, I just had to get him on the show because he is everything that is like everything that I was hoping the tech scene would be like that it wasn't, but I wish it would be. And he is actually working to do the same thing in his area in Texas uh, with Tech for the Culture. He is also one of the co-hosts of one of my favorite podcasts out right now. Coolest nerds in the room. Everybody give a warm welcome to one Reggie Davis. Reggie, what is going on, man? Oh, man, that was like a beautiful intro. I really appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? It's always nice. You can, to, you can use that. Yeah, I'm going to uh, have to steal uh, it from you. You know what I'm saying? It's nice to meet a, a kindred spirit, you know what I'm saying, in a tech game. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Man, let it, let everybody know a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into into tech as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to give the the, the concise version, which is, um, you know, I actually ended up meeting some guys at a podcast convention a couple of years ago. Um, got into some good conversations. They were cool guys, uh, and they essentially was like, "Hey, you want to learn how to program?" And uh, I was like, "Sure, why not?" So then I started learning like Ruby. JavaScript and uh, ended up teaching myself how to program. Got my first gig as a, a support dev, uh, and then I went from there and I kind of got into the cloud. Ended up working at Home Depot uh, in the cloud, and then I basically left Home Depot to work for a, a very, very large energy and oil company down here in Texas uh, as an SRE. So, um, you know, in really you know, in all of that, my journey is really kind of what has informed, you know, my decisions as far as like what I represent in my career at this point. Uh, Like you said, you know, I kind of, when I came into the tech, it wasn't, you know, the culture was not, you know, very, um, it's just different. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's just different. It's just super different. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to make sure I was a part of the change as far as like creating an environment or a space where, you know, people could, could come and learn about technology and nerd out and, you know, just become the best, you know, tech talent that they possibly can become and uh, while networking at the same time. So, you know, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I am a I don't think people realize how much of a nerd I am. I think they kind of get a little bit on coolest nerds in the room. But, you know, like I be nerding like I, I, I am a real life nerd like I I go into the deepest darkest throes of technology and just see if i can make my way back <laughs> so that's yeah man so that that's basically me but yeah i just i'm I'm a, I'm a pretty chill dude i just you know i like i just love technology man you know what i'm saying i love technology I'm, I'm happy that we got to connect that's the biggest thing uh you know i remember uh when we got to talking the first time when you sent me a message on twitter i was like man this dude is it's pretty cool like this is cool and then we we hopped on a Zoom call and you just kind of gave me some game 
on our podcast and we just kind of started talking i'm like man this dude is like really cool like <laughs> <laughs> like this dude is dope like this is cool so you know it, it's it's definitely a pleasure to be able to to slide by and uh just so show you and your guests some love man it's it's always nice you know it, it it's interesting because one of the things that i think like every podcaster that i've talked to before they always talk about that that lack of like connection with their audience mm. like that's that's the one thing that every podcaster wants is like would you rather have a million people that don't ever talk to you or would you rather have like 10 listeners that are just like your biggest fans and right. are just always putting you on like i know for me the answer is always the latter so whenever i hear a podcast especially one and, and people know here we're, they're gonna sound like diversity alert and all that stuff but like anytime i'm i'm hearing people that look like me that sound like me that are into the same things that i'm into like I want that to be around as long as possible. So for me, it's a no brainer to reach out to those individuals and be like, Hey, I don't got any money, but you know, here's, let me just give you a shout out. Let me just like retweet your stuff. Like, let me do whatever I can to help keep y'all running because there are people like me that don't have voices that are not willing to get on Twitter, deal with all the BS that that comes with and just tell somebody hi. And most of them believe that even if they did, whoever they're saying hi to is not going to be listening to them. And and sometimes they're right, but I've learned you can definitely do a lot by just being real with people. Like all of my friends that are podcasters, we just got into a Slack channel one day and we're like, yo, let's just talk about like the stresses of podcasting. And that, (laughs) that became like this huge thing that eventually we're all like, all right, look, there are too many people in here trying to grow their markets with like pod sharing stuff. Let's, let's kind of leave that. So it's uh, the podcast, man, you know, that first off, you know, saying that's definitely love. You know what I'm saying? That's definitely a compliment to, you know what I'm saying? The conversation that we had and you being able to reach out to us, the fact that, you know, you were able to listen to the show and connect with it in such a way that, you know, it allowed you to say, hey, man, like, shoot, like, I just I, I want to help. You know what I'm saying? I want to help however I can. If you just want me to give you some advice, whatever. Like, and for me, like, I appreciate it all. Like, I mean, um, I don't care how big I were to ever get whether I'm in my career or the podcast or whatever, like I'm always going to be a person that I feel like, you know, people can come to and just talk with. Like I, I, I pride myself on being a very real person. You know what I'm saying? Because I understand what it's like to have a voice and not be heard, you know? So, so I think it's, it's, it's imperative to always give everybody a platform to speak and, and give, you know what I'm saying? Love, hate, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And just hear it out. And, you know, I'm a big boy. I can take it. So, you know, I appreciate that. That's huge. But, you know, that podcast struggle is real. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I don't think people realize, like, how much energy goes into oh a long-term podcast. Like, anyone can do a seven, you know, seven episodes of, hey, I'm bored in this quarantine. What's everybody up to? Oh, I, you know, I did a hand turkey with my daughter today. Like, I mean, that stuff is cool and all. And it's great to see that, you know, people are keeping themselves busy. But but doing it for I mean, the long haul, though. <laughs> I follow people that have been podcasting for like 10, 15, close to, I mean, podcasting itself is barely 20 years old, and they've been doing it since like day one. They know the people that yeah. created like the RSS spec. Yeah. And they were, before RSS was even how you did podcasting, they just did internet radio and just published it as like raw MP3 files. Like, 
those kind of people that have like those kinds of communities when some of them podcast daily Man. like they're, they're putting out five episodes a week and you're just like how like how do you first of all how do you have that much stuff to talk about but then also like just how have you been able to just be that consistent for that long when it is everything that you do and and a mm. lot of them are just now quitting their jobs and going like just full-time podcast man after like 10 15 years like they're finally able to be like they're refined all right y'all we finally make enough it's tough <laughs> quit that job it's crazy We're still driving uber <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's crazy because the, the refinement you know what i'm saying i don't think people really understand the refinement that a podcast goes through you know like you know what i'm saying out the gate yeah you might come out hot that first episode you might drop, you know, two, three hundred downloads, a thousand, however many. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of people. A lot of people come out the gates hot. The people that end up succeeding, though, are the ones that stick for it in the long run. Being consistent. You know what I'm saying? Consistently putting out episodes, consistently putting out content. You know what I'm saying? Being able to make adjustments to 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 the way you produce the show. You know what I'm saying? Adding new elements, trying to switch things up, bringing in guests. Um trying out album i mean cover art uh you know social media marketing it's hard you know what i'm saying it's hard yeah it's free you know <laughs> it's free for the most part i mean it's free i mean once you kind of really get into it you know it's not free but um you know it's it's an investment you know it's a it's a real life investment i don't think people realize like not only are you know steph and i sitting down for you know maybe four hours every week maybe even more to sit down and flesh out the episode and figure out what we're going to talk about and all that kind of stuff. But I got to also put in an extra four hours to edit the podcast on top of like any type of social media stuff. And I haven't been doing the social media stuff lately. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of them in step and we've been really trying to refine our process to where we automate some of these things because we still got careers and we're not getting paid off this thing yet. So it's just hard, you know? And I think, for anybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to talk to to uh, a friend's uh, little sister about starting a podcast because they know, you know, I've been doing podcasts for a while. And I got to sit there and tell them, like, look, man, you can do it, but just understand, you know what I'm saying, you're not going to swing. You're not hitting a home run out the gate. You know, it, it, might, it might look like it is, but it can fall off. It can jump back up. It can, you know, you might have to change new directions. It's it's hard, you know, podcasting is a hard game and it requires a lot of discipline and it requires a lot of honesty with yourself. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, you know, I'll honestly say, man, it's, you know, going on a podcast journey that I've been on. I've done three podcasts before this one, before Coolest Nerds in the Room. I did a podcast. I did two podcasts about pop culture. Whenever, before that train got hot, I was trying to do one. <laughs> Before the before the pop culture train got hot, you know the funny thing about the pop culture train is, is I remember going to podcast. Matter of fact, the same convention that I met the guys that got me into programming was the same convention I had asked this question. The question was, "Hey, uh, you know, I've been noticing a lot of people have been trying to take the pop, uh, the the pop, uh, the pop, the pop culture lane. Um, do y'all think it's gonna become like you know oversaturated or anything like that?" They were like. Oh, no, it'll never podcast get saturated. No, I looked at them like y'all are clearly out of y'all damn mind. Sure enough, three, four years later, market flooded with pop culture podcasts. And it's just like you see it coming. You know what I'm saying? You see it coming. And um, 
especially when you've been around the game a long time. You know, people try to ride the train, people try to ride the waves, uh, and 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 it typically doesn't really work out for most people. But uh, you know, I did pop culture. I did two hip hop podcasts before this one. I think I did. I forgot. I did another podcast about something. I don't even remember. And this is my actually my first tech podcast. And it's not even like full on tech. So, um, you know, I've seen it. I, I've, I've been in the game for about five, six years at this point. I still haven't made a dime. <laughs> I still haven't made a dime. But, you know, I love it, though. I love it, though. One day I will. But, you know, it's, 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 it takes a lot of discipline. And it takes you to, to really understand your market. You have to understand marketing and what people actually find valuable. You know what I'm saying? Because those other podcasts that I were making, that I was making, nobody found valuable. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, in essence, that none of those things are really me. Well, the hip hop for sure. But the uh the pop culture, not at all. You know what I'm saying? I'm not that person. I don't keep up with Kim Kardashian and stuff like that. We did that just because shoot, we saw it was working and 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 here we are with no pop culture podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you know, you learn a you lot. Know, there was uh there's an episode of uh friends in your ears that i was on i was a guest on and we were like the whole the whole episode we were talking about someone just started yodeling podcast for for just people in la county and the the whole joke with that is in a world where everybody's trying to do like the new hotness there's like there are so many like untapped markets of just areas where people want to talk about stuff that Honestly, they they think in their heads there will never be a podcast about this thing. And and like I said, you know, it's one of those things that when you find that one thing that you're like, I never thought this would exist. I want to make sure this thing is always around. What can I do? Give give my money, give my time, give my energy, all those things. Yeah, nah, and but, that's t- I mean, when you finally find that one, man, it's it's a dope feeling. It's a dope feeling. I feel like things kind of come together very naturally, but shoot. You know, I think coming in the game is just so it's just so easy to to miss it, you know, because I feel like you kind of I feel like the podcast that I, I feel like the most successful podcast is when a host or someone or the people, you know, you know the guest or whatever the situation is, is a, a situation where people are very, very comfortable in that home talking about the things that they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's technology, whether it's sports whether it's relationships, whether it's whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? You have to be very comfortable with talking about it, you know what I'm saying? And not not too scared to peel the layers back if need be because, truth be told, I think that's really where the content is at, you know what I'm saying? That's where the content is at. I think it's so easy to kind of get, off, get caught up in the news cycle. And that's what a lot of people do. You just try to keep up with the news cycle and just talk about the latest thing that happened. But the reality is, is that, you know, with people – you know, surface level, pretty superficial people just keep up with the news cycle, right? Everybody has their own little subculture, their own little thing that they just love being a part of. You know what I'm saying? And when they can find content that speaks to that, like, you know, it goes right back to what you were saying. Like, people are going to stick onto that like glue. Because if there is nobody else out there talking about that particular thing, then damn, you just feel, you just feel the niche. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's where your audience is. And, and, and truth be told, you have to also realize that every niche is not going to get you a million followers. You know what I'm saying? Every niche is not going to get you a million followers, but every niche can give you enough fans to for you to sustain your podcast. You know what I'm saying? For you to make enough money to 
pay out, you know, podcast hosts and whatever, and you can just figure that thing out. You know what I'm saying? And if you truly enjoy love talking about what you're talking about and love podcasting, then I think it's a good situation. You know what I'm saying? You take a hobby, make enough money off of it to where, you know, you can kind of build your brand, but at the same time, be able to pay for the expenses of a podcast. Like, that's dope. You know what I'm saying? Who wouldn't want that? That's that's a that's an awesome situation. Speaking of people that help take care of the podcast, thank you everyone that is a member of the Pit Premium group. I know right now the Pit Premium memberships are closed and they will probably be that for the foreseeable future right now, but there is still a select few of you that for some crazy reason continue to give me money just to put stuff like this out. So big ups to y'all. Thank you so much. And I know that I'm going to be hearing from all y'all in like 12 hours when this goes out so shout out to shout out to all the real fans out there exactly so you know one of the things you you mentioned earlier you you talked about getting into development from podcasting like (laughs) i've i've seen it the other way around plenty of times i know plenty of my friends are developers that wanted to get into podcasting but but never have i seen it you were into podcasting and then learning to code you you spurned a career out of it like please tell me, you got like a cs degree or something you know something behind the scenes that no one knew about or what no man the funny thing about it is is i got a degree in philosophy and a minor in biology um that's that's someone it. made their mom mad yeah <laughs> you, you know home. i thought i wanted to be a doctor that didn't work out i tried i thought i wanted to be a lawyer that didn't work out and i just was like man i don't know and i was just wandering the earth at that point um but the funny thing is you know I, i've been uh I've loved computers my whole life. Um, You know, it was one of those things where during that period of time, whenever those guys presented that opportunity to me, I was kind of going through this period of like, what has been the one, like, what has been like my life's common denominator? No matter what phase I was in in life, what I was going through, what is one thing I always went straight to that has just never left? And it was like getting on a computer getting on a computer like I love just being on a computer just you know uh download things I wasn't supposed to be and going into the history and deleting it so my mom wouldn't see it you know what I'm saying (laughs) you know what I'm saying just think we've all been there (laughs) yeah you know what I'm saying just finding ways to just like manipulate the computer to to hide things or get things that you know typically I probably shouldn't have been getting but you know that's the internet so um you know nothing crazy I wouldn't like downloading crazy but like um like little emulators like I used to download like Super Nintendo emulators and stuff like that and get all the little ROMs and games and all that kind of stuff. I used to uh, jailbreak my phones before like iPhone. Before iPhones, I used to have like a, a HTC Titan or something like that. It was like a it, it was one of the smartphones with the Windows operating system. And that was like back when, you know, Blackberry and all of those are like the hotness. And uh, and I remember HTC. HTC started putting out some fire phones, like crazy fire, like touchscreen phones and stuff like that. And so I got one and uh, and I remember jailbreaking it. And, uh, you know, I could like download new software and do all of these. I can add like the, the iPhone-ish uh, lock screen and do all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I just used to be so interested in that. So, you know, during that period, I was kind of have going through my creative phase of like photography, videography. I even was doing websites and like little WordPress websites on the side. So, you know, when they told me programming, I'm kind of like, I don't know. It was just like just enough that I needed. You know, um, it's it's so funny to me because it's never been 
it's never really been too many things in life where I just feel like, man, you know, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's not too many things. I don't think I can do it. But, you know, when somebody comes around and tells you, hey, I think you'll be good at this thing. That's just like a different kind of motivation. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just like a dang. Somebody else believes that I can. do. It's one thing for you to think it yourself. It's a whole nother thing when you can kind of with somebody can see that in you. And um, I don't know. I just kind of took it as a sign and I ran with it. And like, it was so funny, man. I remember learning HTML, CSS, and then I got into like Ruby on Rails. And then I got into JavaScript. And next thing is, it's like, dang, I think I'm doing this thing. It's like, you know, you go from riding on a tricycle to a bicycle to full on motorcycle or something like that. It's it's pretty interesting. It's been a crazy journey. So I got to ask, and, and there is no wrong answer here. Uh, I want to get that part first. Being a developer, to you, is it a job or is it a lifestyle? Oh, man, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's a lifestyle, man, like straight up. Like, I don't think, you know, and it's crazy because like, you know, I started off programming out the gate, but once I started getting pretty heavily into the cloud and the administrative side, you know, I started getting into the Kubernetes and the Terraform and all that kind of stuff, you know, granted that's still, you know, you're still using YAML files and, you know, you're using like Terraform and maybe some bad scripts some Python stuff here and there. But, you know, you don't really get to develop, develop like you do when, you know, you're actually programming an application. It's a little bit different. And uh, man, you know, since we went on quarantine, I've been getting back into like developing applications. And it just is like one of them things. I'm like, bro, this is it. You know what I'm saying? This is a lifestyle. But I mean, it all at the end of the day, it requires commitment. You know what I'm saying? You you gotta to really be good at it. You gotta really like. I think you just gotta you gotta really like. You gotta really enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? You gotta really wanna stay up till one or two o'clock in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Putting in that extra time. I'm not saying that if you know you go to a boot camp and you decide not to programming your free time because you got family and friends and things like that that you'll never be good at it i'm not saying that it might take you a little bit longer but i feel like the lifelong learners just understand like it, it's never ending you know what i'm saying technology is just never anything because it's never you know it's never it doesn't stop evolving it doesn't stop evolving so you have to you have to really be committed to change really um and that's lifestyle you know what i'm saying that's a lifestyle thing you know what i'm saying there are some people out here that you know they go get a job and they never have to learn another thing for the rest of their life. And that's it. That's their life. You just don't have that luxury as a developer. You know what I'm saying? You have to be committed to lifelong learning. You can't learn just one skill and expect that that, that skill is going to carry you out, you know, throughout the rest of your career. That's not, you know, the people that survive don't, that's not, that's not how it works. So it's definitely a lifestyle to me. I, I can't remember who said it. Uh, so sorry that I can't give proper attribution or whatever, but. Uh, they were talking about how being a developer is so much different than being a plumber or being an electrician or being a, you know, all of these things. Uh, you know, I have a cousin that's an electrician and just watching him go through school, get an electrical engineering degree, like all of the things that are happening still revolve around the bare basics of, of electrical engineering. Yep. And, you know, being a plumber, the plumbing systems haven't changed all that much. The biggest change in plumbing system is sometimes the water goes up instead of down now. Yep. Like that's that's the big difference. But in terms of 
knowing a thing or two about fluid mechanics, knowing a, a few things about uh, proper waste management, disposal, and all that good stuff. Once you learn it, there is less and less to keep up with that will keep you relevant in the industry. And that's not to say that you can't just be like a nine to five developer. Like for the longest time, I had to be a nine to five developer because I was an IT professional. I was I was a system administrator. I got paid to make sure help desk tickets got answered, not to write code. Yeah. Like even to this day, like I literally just got through right spending two weeks writing this web page for a COVID-19 response page for one of the largest distributors of toilet paper and all that stuff on the West Coast. So like a lot of that was me writing code that looked a lot like Django, but was built through HubSpot. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much research and custom query stuff that I learned how to do. If the website didn't come up, it didn't matter. So I, I could I could learn about all the coolest new tricks that I wanted to, but at the end of the day, all they wanted was, hey, we got a bunch of resources that need to go up on this web page. Uh, you're gonna see about a 400% spike in your web traffic, so just make sure that the site doesn't crash. And uh, yeah, we don't really have any other guidance for you, so good luck. Uh, and like to me, I can understand when you're trying to figure out like, okay, it's not my job to write code. But at the same time, I think that there are definitely people who are writing code and it's not their job and they still love doing it. And and that's where that's where I'm at nowadays is where, you know, everyone here that's listening knows about productivity and tech, which is like the business side, which is me doing editing for podcasts and stuff and YouTube and all that stuff. But what they don't realize is I also have to calculate costs. When I'm doing transcriptions for people, I charge them by, technically I charge them by the minute, but I, I give them kind of a base rate based on the hour, yeah. which means there's some crazy calculations that gotta get done. <laughs> or <laughs> the other option is I can take their MP3 file that they give me and then use something like Python's mutagen library and say, hey, give me the duration for that, convert it to seconds, and then I'm going to give you a cost value and you add that to Airtable using their API. And then I just got to go into Stripe and then whenever I calculate all my charges for the month, I literally just have Airtable up on one side, Stripe on the other, and I'm just saying, okay, this person, oh, this many charges. Oh, this person, oh, this many charges. And I mean, yeah, I could automate that too if I wanted to, but that's kind of my, my stopping point because that's that's the part where you start billing people. I want to make sure that's accurate yeah. before I, I send somebody some money. I didn't have to do that stuff, mm -mm. but I wanted to. It was like, oh, hold on. Like, it made sense to me of like, would I rather take 20 minutes to write a quick little script that does this or would I rather sit down and every time I do a transcription have to sit there and calculate the cost over yeah. and over and over again and, and do that math and hand jam that in. Yeah. Nobody's got time for that. Nah. And I think I think that's the difference of it being like a job versus a lifestyle. When it's when it's a job, you're like, I have a very clear goal. All of my research that I'm gonna do is to achieve that one goal. I don't even necessarily need to know about the new stuff until someone tells me that we're using it. Yeah. But when it's a lifestyle, you're just like I have these problems out in the middle of nowhere. They got to get solved. 
No one's going to care if I get them solved or not, but I am tired of doing it this old manual way. There has to be a better way to do it. And that's, that's where like the automation side comes in. And that's where all the fun, like all the API hacking, I mostly learned Python so that I could start tapping into other people's APIs. Man, you know, that, that is so funny that you say that because, you know, I deal, you know, at work, I deal with APIs all day, every day, right? Especially in the cloud. That's all you're really doing is is writing code that talks to API to provision you some type of resource or something. But man, now that I'm like back into like developing, developing, I'm looking at everybody API. I'm like, dude, I wonder do they have an API? Hmm. I wonder do they have an API? Hmm. And I'm in my head right. just like, <clears throat> what can I start automating away? Like, what are things can I, I can just build little, you know, scripts here you know, maybe I just have a, a, a cron function going like hit this endpoint and return me some data or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like now I'm starting to think like that now. And, and I feel like that's where, you know, like you said, that that's where that developer, that lifestyle kind of part comes into it. Because now you're looking at everything like how can I make everything more efficient? That to me is what a developer lifestyle really is. It's like how can I be more efficient with the responsibility or the task that I'm being handed? You know what I'm saying? Some people don't, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, they could do a nine to five, but they don't, they're not thinking about how they can make, you know, their home life more convenient or more efficient. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just, that's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, that's just something that they may do if they feel like it, you know, but I don't know. I feel like a developer is always going to be trying to find out, find ways to squeeze the most out of, you know, every little thing that they do. You know, you, it's just, I don't know. Like, you just look at things like, this can be better. <laughs> like, I could save yeah. time here. <laughs> when, when you when you start making uh, purchasing decisions based on whether or not that application has an API, that's when you know, like, there, there's something going on there. Oh, my so goodness. The thing that makes me, makes me more mad. So there's two things that make me upset. When you have a public API with no documentation on it. That's, that's the one, one. Why do you, why? <laughs> Like, why? Why do you want me to go through this? Yeah, that I mean, the only thing worse than that is having an API that is technically open to the public, but not published. Mm. And I've had that problem before where it's like, okay, Mm. I'm trying to do a very specific thing. I know that I can do this thing. I can look at your website. I can look at the code on your, I can look at the straight up JavaScript on your website and see that you are making calls. You're making a call to something. Yep. And that data it's comes front from somewhere. end. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's on the front end. That's the thing is it, it, if it's on the front end, that means that I can make those exact same calls. I can make a get or a post request. If I'm seeing that in your form, it's literally just a post request. I could be making those same requests. All I have to do is just go to your website and give it a post request. That's that's absolutely nothing. Without passing but, no headers or nothing, I would think you got to pass some headers, a token, or something. No, just form data. Really? Especially with something like like Python's request library, you can literally just say like, "Here's the URL. Here's all the data that I want to pass." The only header I think you have to do is be like, you know, form like multi-part form encode. Like that's fine because that's the same thing that's passed on a website. Wow. And (laughs) so at that point, I'm like, I feel like I'm building your API for you. But at the same time, you're not supporting it. And I've literally had I've had people that I've submitted support requests to and go, do you have an API for this? And they go, oh, yeah, we do. And I go, 
is there a page for the documentation? No, no, we we it, it's not public. But I'm like, but it is public because I just I was just able to do a thing that I should not be able to normally do. That and they're like, man. <laughs> so I'm like, either either y'all have a security vulnerability or that's a y'all huge have a security. I'm thinking, in my, I'm thinking in my head, like you not even if it is a public API, like you still gotta like request uh, some type of you know API key or token. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I'm giving them a you know, I'm giving them a, a username and a password. So I mean, yeah, you would want to replace that with like an API key. Yeah. But why not? I mean, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of that could make your infrastructure a lot easier. Mm. If you have an if you have an API that's both you know front end and back end, obviously there's some things that you don't want to put in a public <clears throat> API. Like you, yeah. you don't want like your billing. Yeah, you don't want your payment gateway on your API. You don't want your payment. Exactly. <laughs> but in terms of data, like there's nothing wrong with making the exact same commands that you use on the back end to do stuff, the stuff that drives your database, mm. that, that drives your web application. To me, that's smart because that means you're only having to maintain one code base. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of, you know, it's funny that you say that because um, <clears throat> the project I've been working on in my free time is, um, is a Vue.js front end and I was using a, a Firestore back end. And uh, oh. the, the interesting part about like using Firestore is like when you start using their library on the front end, like you can make like straight calls to like Firestore. And it's kind of like, is this right? Like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> this doesn't feel right. But the funny thing is, even if you that it like Firestore encourages you, they like literally encourage you to really like make direct calls to it from the front end. Because if you like try to start proxying it through like, uh, cloud functions and stuff like that, you actually lose a lot of the fun functionality that comes with uh, Firestore. So it's almost like, yeah, like we kind of want you to like be making calls to this thing. Like we've secured it in a way to where now you don't have that, you don't need that middle layer anymore. But I think people have been building um, systems in, in that way for so long that it's kind of hard for people to kind of think like, why wouldn't I need a, a API or, or API gateway and stuff like that or, or something like that proxying these requests and you don't always need one you know what i'm saying like i think for very i think for things that need to be secure like hell yeah like i'm putting the payment gateway through api like stuff like that for sure but some stuff you don't always need to have that have that extra layer and i think at the end of the day it comes down to a few things one like if you're working for a company like facebook or google that yeah. has millions and millions of lines yeah, of code it's going through api <laughs> okay, that's understandable. Yeah. Like I, I can I can get at that point maybe you don't want to have absolutely everything, you know, on the front end. But when you are that small team, like that scrappy every, startup every team I've yeah, every team I've ever worked on has always been a small team. Yeah. So it's like people will talk about not wanting to introduce an API because it's extra work. And I'm like, no, you start with the API and then you write code that just talks to it. Mm -hmm. And then it's not extra work. It's it's the same amount of work. And mm. then you get back to the other people that just don't want to document stuff, which I get but it. They got Documentation. tools for that. They got swagger <laughs> API. You know what I'm saying? They got swagger for that. Yeah. So, I and mean, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed lately is seeing more and more documentation type tools. And I mean, I'm getting into where like I wrote my first Python package uh, render engine. 
And one of the things that I did was I took a month to just document stuff. Like, like it's been, it's been two years in the making now of getting this thing off the ground. And it, it's cool. It's used like all my websites using stuff. It's used out in the wild. Multi-million dollar companies are using it, which is cool. That's all great stuff. But none of that would have happened had I not written the documentation for it. Man, the documentation is crucial. As an yeah, SRE, so. I'm on people's ass about documentation. <laughs> they be on my, yeah. and you know, I'm 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 bad about it because, you know, I feel like systems become useless without documentation. I don't care how sophisticated they are, because it only takes what a week, two weeks for you to forget something that's mm-hmm. going on in that system. You know what I'm saying? You 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 kind of swimming up shit's creek when you don't document. You know, it's 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 imperative. And I, I I'm happy that people have been building a lot more tooling around it. So I like even even if you to me, writing an undocumented API is just completely asinine and, and just not you you shouldn't be doing that in twenty twenty. You shouldn't be doing I that. mean th- there's there's something to say about like it's like first of all make sure that you remember what you're doing and then also make sure the stuff that you're doing works so like there's that whole question about do you write tests or not ah i mean you should (laughs) i'm not gonna say that i always do sometimes you just gotta get through it (laughs) exactly there there i have plenty of I have plenty of programs that I use on a regular that do not have tests written for them because i'm the only one that uses them and i know they work and yeah. it's like if I were ever going to release them as as like a thing that I'm going to support in the future, oh, you better believe there would be tests on it. Yeah. Like Render Engine has tests on it. Like my little billing script has no tests because literally the tests would be twice as long as the script itself. Man, to me, the only time I probably just wouldn't write tests like right now I'm building a little project, but I'm just trying to figure out how to build it. So it's just kind of like I don't want tests in my way. But once you kind of like, all right, it's time for us to clean this bad boy up, blah, 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 blah. Let's, let's do it from scratch. Now, you know, I'm going to take some time to, 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 to write some tests around it. But sometimes, like, for me, it, it just if it's a pet project, like you said, like, rendering, like it's just me using it, like, nah, I'm, I'm not. Because sometimes you just, it's, it's just about getting it built. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you're just trying to learn something about it. You know what I'm saying? You're not trying to practice other things. But, you know, sometimes practice may, I mean, shoot. Practice how you play. <laughs> yeah, very true. I, and I, I think there's something about that, too. Like if if your day job has certain protocols around code that gets accepted mm-hmm. by all means, like follow those protocols. Yeah. But at the same time, if you see glaring holes in the stuff that you're doing, say something like do something about it. Yeah. Like that's. That's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm just hoping that someone here is listening and they're like, oh, man, you know, I work for a company that we have an API, but we don't we don't promote it because it's not documented. Like there are so many people out there that like tech writers. That is a great first job for someone learning how to code Big facts. because all you're doing is, is looking wow. at what the code does and writing about it like that is a great first job that actually really is a really good first job it makes me think about some of the tech writers that over there like the new stack man those guys Mm -hmm. at the new stack they talk about um they really focus on like cloud computing and stuff like that but uh you can tell they're tech writers 
you can tell they used to do it. You know what I'm saying? Either they used to write these documentations about APIs or they used to actually do it because they speak so well to it. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think it does, if you want to be able to speak very well to something like that, I think that is absolutely a great opportunity to do something like that. You know, if I were to onboard um, a new person, like a junior, first thing, guess what I'm going to have them doing? I need you to actually write about, you know, document this. You know what I'm saying? We got some stuff that hasn't been documented. That's probably going to be one of the first things I say, hey, like, I want you to, like, be able to articulate this, you know? And I think that's important, you know what I'm saying? Just that articulation piece, being able to write down, you know what I'm saying, how something works, understanding how it works, and then being able to backdoor and actually, like, execute or implement it or modify it. Like, that's important. So that's actually a really, really dope suggestion for anybody who wants to be a tech writer, hint, hint. I, I think for me, like, if... And this is the last thing I say on this. If if I were a manager bringing someone new in, I would want to find some crusty code, <laughs> no documentation on it, and be like, look, this is bad. <laughs> we know it's bad. That's why no one's wanted to touch this. Mm. It is your job to figure out what this is doing. I don't know. Call who you got to call. Oh ask who you got to ask. Write documentation for this because... As soon as you understand it, you're going to fix it and you're going to make it no longer bad. You're going to make it the good thing. That's the ultimate engineer experience. <laughs> yes. Like that is so many times I, I have worked on these these busted systems and there was no one to ask, like, why does this work the way that it does? So it's like I literally spent months and months just trying just breaking, just literally breaking it, it and oh having to God. like roll it back. And until I've. I finally figured out what it was doing. It feels so good. <laughs> yeah. And then once you realize it, you're like, okay, now I understand why this is so bad because back in 1987, when this was written, you didn't have certain things available to you. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you do is you're like, okay, can we, can we just, what can we do with this? And even if your documentation is just, this is bad, this is really, really bad, but this is what it's trying to accomplish. And here's this thing that I wrote, maybe in a language that I prefer, uh, maybe in the same language, just using new, newer, newer design, technology. Yeah, you know, new concepts on it. And this is why I think that this is worth investing in. That not only gears you into being a developer that teaches you how to be a good technical writer, that teaches you how to be a good, you know, testing engineer. You know, that yeah. also teaches you how to be a good manager because you now have eyes of knowing like, OK, we're going to have to make some dumb decisions every now and then. But what is the best way to avoid making those dumb decisions? Because I, I have had just coming from a military background, like so many times when you're that that junior low level person and you're like, I don't know why we made this decision. This is the stupidest decision possible. I can't believe we're doing this. This is such a waste of time. And then you get promoted and you're like, oh, no, that's why we're making. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, this is a stupid decision. I don't like that we're doing this. But ultimately, this is probably the best decision that we can make yep. in that time. Context. So I, exactly. So I, to me, like, as if anybody's looking for, for any type of senior engineer, manager, you know, developer manager types, that that would be my pitch is all all my new people. They're going to take the crustiest code possible. 
They're going to break their mm-hmm. necks over it. And then after they finally figure out why it was done and what was happening, they're going to fix it and make it better. Man, every job I've had in the industry so far, I always get the shit work. <laughs> I've always gotten the shit work, man. I've I'm always, the person you're hating right now. <laughs> man, I'm always, because I'm always that person. But the funny thing is I took those tasks and I became... I started 10xing. I started 10xing, you know, a lot of my peers. I started blowing by them because those super challenging things that nobody wanted to touch. For example, before we even, uh, before I even called in uh, for this interview, I was working on an issue at work, and so the issue involved um, uh, CSP headers, right? Content uh, security uh, policy headers, right? And uh, and the security team is like, man, you know. Before we can pass this thing from the security thing, you know, we got to fix this. We got to fix this issue. We got to fix this issue. So I start at when I first got the, the the task, like put on my desk, I start asking people around, hey, what's going on with this going on with this man? Come to find out. It's like, ah, man, we've been having that issue for like a year or so. But yeah, it's a, it's a pretty nasty one. huh? Good luck to whoever has to deal with that. I was like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> And man, I, I got bombarded with so many things and, you know, I, you know, I had been working on some other projects with a company, but I finally got to it today. And I was like, you know, man, I was like just starting. I'm like, man, I don't know what the fuck. Why would we do this? And da, 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 da. And then I found my groove and then I figured it out. And, you know, that's guess what? That guy had been working for the company for 5, 10, 15 years and he didn't want to touch it because he only wanted to work on the stuff that he wanted to work on. I just passed him. Because I was able to accept the challenge that he wasn't willing to accept. And that's how you become, you know what I'm saying? That's how you become a better engineer. That's how you become a, be- a de- better developer. You take on those challenges. Everybody wants the sexy project. Everybody wants the sexy project. But, man, if you want to be a better engineer, man, you got to take those. Nah, I don't want that one. That's not, that don't look good on a resume. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to get, those are the ones that's going to make you a better engineer. Those are the ones that's going to keep you on your toes. Are those the ones that make you the coolest nerd in the room? Because I'm, I'm just wondering. I need yeah. a good segue. So. <laughs> For sure. They definitely make you the coolest nerd in the room. It's made me the coolest nerd in the room everywhere I went. So <laughs> so, so speaking of that, let's, let's jump into what makes you the coolest nerd in the room. Man, like, flip, I hear, I hear you talk it about me. it. And I hear, I hear Steph ask you this every single week. Of like what makes you, you know, what makes you the coolest nerd this week? But I want to know in general what makes you the coolest nerd in the room. Man, um, what makes me the coolest nerd in the room? You know, I have a patient vision. You know, that's 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 what I'll definitely say makes me the coolest nerd in the room. I think a lot of people, you know, they have visions for their lives and they just trying to hurry up and get to them as fast as they can and. For me, you know, it's about having a patient vision. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I'm going to get there and it's going to take time. And I'm going to be patient on my way there and I'm going to enjoy the journey on my way. So I think, you know, just, you know, having a patient vision, you know what I'm saying? Continually putting my head down and putting in the work and understanding that every day is not going to be a high. Every day is not going to be a low. But it's about just showing up. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, truth be told, you know, it's just about showing up. It's about showing up. And, you know, showing up requires patience because everything's not going to work out when you want it to work out or how you want it to work out. That's almost like that, uh, 
It's like when you got you got that person in the room where like everything is on fire and you're just like, nah, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, yeah, everything's fine. This is this is where we're at right now. Everything's <laughs> fine. You know what I'm saying? We're here for a reason. <laughs> we're here for a reason. Corona happened for a reason. Uh, I, you know, that that's one of the things I, I will say. We were talking about this a little bit before. I know I know we got a we almost got a heart out here. So uh, I want to start wrapping it up. But, you know, we were talking about that like. It is just as bad for the people who are like, now you got all this free time. You need to be hustling. Da, 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 da. And it's like, yeah. all right, as someone with anxiety, that's just not going to happen. And then you have, ah, uh, you know, this is the time you need to be focusing on you. Don't listen to the hustlers talking about all this other stuff. And it's like, as someone with anxiety, that's just not going to happen <laughs> like either yeah. way. So I, I think for me, like the thing that, I wouldn't say that. I definitely can't say I'm the coolest nerd in in the interview room, but oh, I, I can I can say that for me, the thing that has helped me realize my my quote unquote coolness, like you remember, did you ever watch Hey Arnold? Of course. Okay, thank Girl you. Was like thank one you, of my thank favorite character. <laughs> thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Had the fro. Had the box. Man, come on, man. Jer- <laughs> Gerald was the coolest cat in the room and everyone knew it but Gerald never had to tell you that he was the coolest cat in the room Arnold wanted to hang out with the cool people remember that episode he started hanging out with the dude with the motorcycle and all they wanted to do was like break in and stuff and they were using his head for that and he was like yo man my man Fuzzy Slippers tells no lies yeah (laughs) (laughs) to to this day I still lean on that like I know a lot of folks. I I have made it my job to know as many amazing people out there as possible so that when other people come up and they have a problem or they have a question, I can be like, honestly, I don't know, but my man Fuzzy Slippers over here might. (laughs) Let me reach. Let me connect you with him real quick and and set that up. And and to me, I, I think that has been, you know, you talked about, you know, having like the patience and knowing that like you're in you're in your spot for the right reason. For me, it's been about knowing what is my spot and what's not. Mm. And that changes. It changes over time. I think that's one of the things that I have struggled with the most is just being like, I really want this to be my spot, but I know it's not my spot. So let me put on all the people who are in the spot right now so that their success is directly attributed to the work that they put in, but also the work that I put in on the sidelines. Cause they're going to remember that, you know, that's right. That's the thing is when NBA stars make it to the league, they put on their, you know, they put on the people that rode with them when they weren't nothing. Be fair. <laughs> like when you, when you are that person that was with them since the beginning, because you saw the potential in them and you're willing to help work with them, not just through the, you know, not just through the success, but also through the failure. That's when you become the coolest nerd in the room, because in my opinion, because at that point. When someone needs a big up, you got them when someone needs a hand up, you still got them when they don't know who else they can talk to because they're afraid that everyone else is just blowing smoke up their butt. They know that they can go reach out to you. 
and they know that the only thing you're going to do is bring up some Hey Arnold references, talk about anime, <laughs> and like <laughs> just keep it real with them. Yeah, man. And that's, and that's <laughs> huge, right? Like, that's huge. Just playing your role in someone's life is huge. You know what I'm saying? We, everybody, you know, we all the stars of our own show, but guess what? We the role players in everybody else's life. And, exactly. you know, and, and, and you got to make sure you play your role when it's, when it comes time, you know what I'm saying? When that, when they come to you for help or they want to come to you to celebrate, you, you play your role and whatever that may be for them. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I think that's super important. You know what I'm saying? The, the world doesn't, you know, we don't move forward if people don't play their roles. You know what I'm saying? We all have jobs to do. And we want to do it to the best of our ability. So just being able to know that and do that and do it well. Man, shoot. Scotty Pippen was number two in the league, but shoot, his his life was set because he played his role. You know what I'm saying? Like the one on ESPN right now. Exactly. Still working. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? He got six rings. You know what I'm saying? He's good. He's great. You know what I'm saying? He played his role. And people see that. You know, and people see that and they appreciate that because everybody trying to be a star. Everybody not trying to be a role player. So when somebody can understand their role, they they kind of essentially can become the star of their own show. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's that's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what life is all about. Everybody not gonna be the biggest man in the room. You know what I'm saying? But if you can play a role in helping make the biggest man be the biggest man and being for being there for them when they down, being there for them when they up, whatever. Guess what? Now you become the star of your own show. Cause guess what? You gonna become they star. <laughs> Believe it or not, you're going to become their star because they're going to rely on you. You know what I'm saying? They're going to rely on you. So I think that's huge. I have a thousand more questions, but unfortunately, we're both out of time here. Yeah. So I'm going to have you on the show another time. We, we're definitely going to do it. We're going to chop it up. Hopefully, one of these days, I'll, I'll, I'll make an appearance on Coolest Nerds as well. And we'll, oh, yeah. I got to reach out to happen. Steph and get her on here as well because I think, I think what y'all are doing over there is absolutely phenomenal. I encourage anyone here listening, if y'all want like just two people in tech, ignore the fact that they're both black because you ignore the fact that we're both black. Most people don't even realize I'm black until like they actually like go to my website and they're like, oh, snap. <laughs> but but yeah, just check them out. Coolest nerds in the room. There'll be a link in the show notes for them. Um, yeah, man. Just tell everybody. You know, get you know what it is podcasting. You tell, yeah, tell them what you yeah, want, tell definitely. them how you can catch up and all that. Find me, find me, uh, cool black nerd, C O O L B L K N E R D. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, you know, definitely, you know, check us out, cluesnerdsintheroom dot com. You can uh, also find our podcast on uh, really every podcast's platform: Spotify, Apple, whoever else is out there. Um, <laughs> and then you can, uh, check out, oh, if you're in Texas or if you're in Houston, man, definitely check out, uh, tech for the culture, tech for the culture.com. Check that out. Uh, we're going to have an online event in May. So, you know, and we talking about market validation and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be cool. It's going to be really, really cool. So check us out on tech for the culture.com. And, you know, and if you're in Atlanta, you know, I'll be in Atlanta in August for refactor tech. I'll be speaking. So, you know, definitely pull up. I got a lot. I'll be having a lot going on. I'll be staying pretty low on the social medias. I ain't going to lie. I'll be a little low. <laughs> but I'm there. I'm creeping. Always. All right. Well, you know, it's, it's that time to come to an end. I got to thank my guest, Reggie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Man, I had a blast. A pleasure. It was we a will pleasure. do it again. Absolutely. Um, also, special thanks to uh, my fam, Nadir Mawale, for the use of his intro, uh, for the use of his music. A hustler inspired myself for the intro and outro music. 
And also thank you everyone that is in the productivity in tech community, our Slack channel still going strong. People still talking in there every day, especially during this time when people getting all cabin fever and stuff. Honestly, I've been going for hour long walks and just hitting people up on Slack and we've been having phone conversations. Very so, peaceful, very uh, organic. I like it. That has been uh, just a godsend for me and I hope it's it's been a help to some of y'all. But if you want to check out more Productivity in Tech or if you have a podcast and you're interested in getting a little bit of help on that, you can go to productivityintech.com. And for more information on the podcast, just hit that podcast link up at the top. That'll tell you where you can subscribe and all those things. But that's going to do it for this month. I forgot we're monthly now, not weekly. So I always got to remember that. Uh, I've been Jay Miller and for Reggie and myself, I hope for at least a little bit of this time, we've been a little bit productive. So I will see you next time. Peace. Thank you.